Hello and welcome to the Unnamed Automotive Podcast. My name is Sammy Hajasad, and with me, as always, is my good friend and fellow automotive journalist, Benjamin Hunting. Say hi to the people, Ben. Greetings, human listeners. Greetings to everyone. If this is the first time you're listening to our podcast, thank you for trying something new. Basically, uh, me and Ben talk about some pretty cool cars. In fact, Ben is an automotive journalist. You can find his work all over the internet. So, Ben, why don't you tell people where they can find uh, some of your latest work? You can find my work at Motor Trend, at Inside Hook, and at Driving Line. And you can find my work at autotrader.ca, as well as EV Pulse. Uh, and you can find some work at TechSpot as well. Ben, this week I have a pretty flashy car to talk about. Are you ready for this? I don't know, am I? I think you're ready for this. It's the 2021 Porsche Taycan 4S with the... It's got a special motor. It's, I mean, battery. I've got to remember what it's called now. What, the battery has branding? Yes. The, it's called the Performance Battery Plus. <laughs> oh, of course it is. I uh, don't know. There is no, there is no Performance Battery Unplus, and there is no just regular Battery Plus. It there's has no, to be called the But is there a regular battery? battery, battery? Like, can you buy yes. a, you can buy a lesser battery? No brand, you can buy one with no branding. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like an off-brand Porsche is like... Hey, so we don't recommend that you get this battery, but if you really want, we have this like gray unmarked battery we can just slide in. <laughs> the the truth is that the um the battery in the 4S with the performance sorry, the the 4S with the performance battery plus is the same battery that's found in the Taycan Turbo and Taycan Turbo S. Sorry for pronouncing the car two different Yeah, ways. like two different ways in the same sentence. <laughs> Taycan so what I'm what I have here is a 90 3.4 kilowatt hour battery as opposed to the 79.2 kilowatt hour battery in the regular Taycan 4S. And what's and the bonus? To... Like, what, what, so break it down for people like me who are unfamiliar with this car. And is the bonus of having the larger battery going to be performance or is it going to be range? Okay, both of these things. But I will admit the range, as, as dictated by the EPA, is pretty underwhelming. Um, the regular battery gets 199 is is rated for 199 um uh miles and the performance battery plus is 227 miles and and you Both said it really was, underwhelming figures right yeah and you said it was 70 kilowatt hours versus 94 yeah so that's uh, 79 so almost 79. 80 versus okay 90, so i was 90. gonna say that's that's close to a 25 percent increase in size but you're not you're getting a 12 percent increase <laughs> in in range yeah. Absolutely. Uh, so what you do get instead is much more juice. You get okay. a lot of power. Um, so from the get-go, the, the regular motor, uh, sorry, the regular battery has uh, 429 horsepower, while the Performance Battery Plus model gets 482 horsepower. Okay. Okay. So I need to talk about one small thing. It's called Overboost. Wait, what? Boost? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I don't know, because we do know that the Taycan is offered as a turbo and turbo S, but it doesn't actually come with a turbo. Or any kind of internal combustion engine whatsoever. (laughs) Like, that's That's, completely out of it. That's right. And overboost is usually associated with turbocharged engines. Am I wrong? That's true, but, you know, boost is generally, like, when I was a kid, and we were on the playground, and you'd Uh be on the swing set. I was there. You you would boost people. Remember that? You would boost them. (laughs) And I, I remember there was this one thing called the underdog, 
where you yeah, would push someone from the front on their legs, and then when they got up over your head, you'd go underneath them and release them, and they go up super high, and that was like boosting them. So I can see, you know, it's a, it's not just for turbos, I guess is where I'm going with this. It blows my mind that you can remember the names of various swing maneuvers, but you can barely remember what you drove two weeks ago. And, and my face memory is zero. I mean... <laughs> Okay, so sorry. Uh, Overboost allows this car to have a little bit extra. It it it, pro- it provides an extra jolt of um of I guess electricity to the electric motor. Please tell me this comes from a secondary battery pack called Performance <laughs> Battery Pack Two or something. Two. No, it's out of the regular battery pack um, and bumps the the horsepower up a, a pretty considerable number. About um, well, in the regular motor, uh, sorry, in the regular battery. You get a boost up to 520, 20, uh, 522 horsepower, which is pretty good, from 429. So almost 100 horsepower. And then in the um, Performance Battery Plus, you get a boost to 562 horsepower from 482, so 80 horsepower. So how is this boost? How do you, how do you achieve it? Do you have to be in a special drive mode? N- no. So I'm... <laughs> I was worried that you were going to ask me about this because, if you recall, there is this uh, sport response button in the 911 and other vehicles, which has yeah. this button that you can only allow you. Everything gets super uh, tweaked for for 30 seconds or something. Like, like let's say you there. wanted to drive your sports car like it's a sports car. This yeah. gives this button gives you permission to do that. Yeah, the Taycan does not have that. Uh oh. But in and. The this overboost, as far as I understand, is limited for a usage of about two point five seconds. Oh, wait a minute, what? <laughs> yeah, okay, that's my so understanding of it. Is for that two and time? a half seconds? It gets bumped up to that maximum five hundred and sixty-two horsepower, and other and other models of the Taycan Turbo have this, which bump it all the way up to seven hundred and fifty horsepower in the Turbo S. Is that enough time to hit sixty miles an hour in this car? Oh my God, yes. <laughs> That's how fast this thing is. Um, I, I'm I'm just going to double check the the performance figures here because it is important to to talk about this. In this particular vehicle, um, you'll hit sixty in three point eight seconds. So that boost is helping you either at the beginning of that of that sprint or near the end. Um, in the Taycan Turbo S, it happens in two point six seconds, which is unbelievably fast. So insanely fast. If I push that button three times, so oh, there is no button in this car. It just gives it to you whenever, when, when it sees fit. Oh wow! Because yeah. I was gonna, I was hoping I could bank it. You know, like <laughs> and make like seven and a half seconds of seven hundred yeah. horsepower, or whatever crazy like Porsche math you have to do to get the power you paid for. But I guess this is just like there's an AI in there somewhere that's like, all right, now's the time, and then bam, you've got it. Based on my experience, this bump up really happens while you're already in like really is really noticeable when you're already in motion like if you're on the highway already and you need an extra bit of 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 you know passing power it happens insanely fast in this car who needs Uh, who needs another hundred horsepower to pass just out of curiosity like whose passes are so last minute and dangerous that if they don't have that extra hundred horsepower things are going to go really bad. You know, like, are we talking, 
like Peruvian oh. style passing a tour bus on a road with no guardrail in a mountain? Like, is that what this that's, is? Yeah, that's the common use case scenario for the Tycon. Or is it like it. Fast and Furious style racing towards a train track with a freight train coming for towards sure. you? It's exactly <laughs> like that. You are reaching for a closing gap right there. Okay. Um, I have to admit, the, that's probably the biggest issue I have with the 4S is that that power delivery, because of over overboost in any other, I don't know, whenever it just uh, decides to give you full power or not is kind of inconsistent it's really weird because truly this car is wicked fast like really impressively quick um and smooth at that too but sometimes when i put my foot down um especially at like normal like um let's say not non-highway speeds i don't get the same like feeling of thrust that i do when i'm on the highway and i and i put my foot down and suddenly it's taking off. Like it feels like a rocket ship. Yeah, so so I, I got to ask you: Does this overboost then feel like a like a gimmick? I don't. I'm not sure. Again, as some, as, first of all, it might just be marketing. It might just be in my head. I, I I don't know. Right? Like it never tells you when that happens. It never. There's no indication. There's nothing like that. It's just for that additional performance. Um, I think to reach the those really impressive zero to sixty sprints. Um, and and in gear or in on speed acceleration. I think we're also kind of skipping over the the fact that we're talking about an electric Porsche. Uh, I don't think we've talked about it on the show before, have we? In terms of driving it, I've driven it very briefly for World Car of the Year um, yeah. last year. It was the turbo in particular, and I swear it was only like uh, about I don't know an hour or so in the car. So we have um, talked about it briefly, but I I want to circle back to the disappointing range you mentioned now. Are there any number of affordable electric vehicles out there that beat this car for range? Oh, yeah, totally. Um, it, in my experience, I drove that uh, Kia Soul, right? Yes. And the – and the let me let me double check the uh, Chevrolet Bolt because I believe even that has some pretty good range. Um, see, this has 259 miles. Okay. And, and um, literally half the price. Refresh my mind. Uh, or half, half, half the third price. of the price. How much w- was the Taycan? Taycan? I, I don't know how to say it. <laughs> so it starts at um, $103,000. Okay. And the model you drove was how much? Um, about a hundred and with all of the features I have, I would say it's closer to like 120, 130. And am I wrong to think that every single Tesla on the market beats it in terms of range? No, you're not wrong. Okay, so this is a car that you have to really want in order to justify. It's not like it's not like Porsche came around and was like, you know what, we're going to match. The, 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 the Let's be honest, regardless of how we might feel about the company and its practices, Tesla is the range leader for, you know, premium electric cars. And they're pretty good with performance as well. So Porsche said, didn't say we're going to match Tesla. They said we're going to do our own thing and rely on branding. Is that an accurate way of describing how this car was conceived? It seems like it. However, I need to talk about my range experience, which has been inconsistent. And this is the most difficult and and frustrating thing about um, driving electric cars, is that depending on the weather conditions, how you drive it, um, like the drive modes and other things, uh, even like climate control, right? Your range can vary dramatically. What I really like about some vehicles, and I, I hate to bring up the Kia Soul or the uh, Hyundai Kona again and again, but these vehicles had really consistent um, estimates on their on their mileage. 
I really, really appreciated that. And I also, I, I think I said the same thing about the Polestar 2. When, that, when you drove that for 200 miles, and even when you start using climate control or you accelerate really quickly sometimes, that, too, that still felt like, like it ticked off 200 miles um, in that 200 miles. That's perfect. This car, sometimes it says I have um, 180 miles. Sometimes it says 100, 150. I'll turn the car on again. It has 170. It's the weirdest thing. Every time I do anything with the car, the range changes. Um, and I Is don't know because, if that's in, in relation to how much distance I've driven or overboost happening. Yeah, I was going to say, like, how much <laughs> overboosting are you doing? And how much overboost can you do before it stops doing it? Like, is there any kind of guidance about that? As far as I understand, one of the most important parts about the Taycan is that it can be run at that full power. Like, that, full, it can be, it can be drag, drag raced, essentially. For two and a half seconds. Uh, for much longer um, or, or more frequently than a, tie, um, a Tesla could. Before, before for those two and a half cool. seconds or less, I'm free. I mean, that's, yes. all, that, that's all that matters. <laughs> that's right. But, uh, you know, I think there's probably some type of algorithm going on that's mm-hmm. taking a look at your driving style and weather conditions and all sorts of stuff like that and, and making its calculations that way. But if that's not a transparent process, it's only going to be frustrating. So I'm not sure if this is because maybe the, they, maybe the um, sort of like, Drive computer had a re- like reset before they they gave it to me. Sometimes you know there's like a factory reset, and so it's relearn it's learning my sort of driving methods, and it'll pr- maybe by the end of my my time with it, it'll be a little bit more consistent with its delivery of the of the fuel. Uh, sorry, of the battery range estimate. But my experience so far has been that it's really jumpy. It's all over the place. But the throttle response is is good. If not, the power delivery is a little inconsistent depending on the on the um, conditions you're in there is a drive mode called um i believe it's called range which is pretty like helpful for somebody who's worried about um how much range they have in the car however it limits the top speed of the vehicle to um what's 120 kilometers about 75 miles an hour. 75 miles per hour which is it sounds okay but you know when you're trying to make a pass as well and you breach that or you're trying to breach that that speed suddenly the car doesn't give it to you does it does it actually lock there's you no out? yeah there's you, no override you can't wow because I, I know have to change the drive mode while i'm doing that i remember when i first started driving modern jaguars and they had this thing called speed control which is very similar and you would mm-hmm. it's like a reverse cruise control where you set a limit they still and, have that feature yeah and so you're not supposed to go the car is supposed to keep you underneath that limit when you're driving mm-hmm. so you can't casually accelerate past it uh, i always wondered why they had that limit and I, I talked to a Jaguar engineer once, and they're like, oh, because of all the speed cameras they have in England. Like, it's, yeah. it's, it's just a very common thing. But it, the reason I'm bringing this up is because in Jaguar vehicles, if you want to go past that limit, and Land Rover as well, you just hit the gas hard. And it will push you past that. It's designed to keep you from accidentally straying over that line. Is but it like a, you, you push the throttle into that kickdown? You push button? the throttle, and a little needle comes out from the center console, and it pricks you in the leg, and you're like, Ugh! and then you push it harder, and then, bam, you're breaking the law. So, like, that's... <laughs> Jag- it's controversial, but that's how Jaguar decided to do it. So, I, you know, Porsche, again, going their own way. Yes, of course, clearly. Um, while I've talked about the performance of this vehicle, let's talk about the interior of it for a moment. Um, there's a lot to talk about here. If you dislike screens or, you know, prefer physical controls, you're going to have a big problem with the, with the um, Taycan. This is a screen-centric vehicle, so much so that uh, my model has an optional passenger screen, 
which just mimics the center infotainment system, not mimic, sorry, provides a secondary infotainment system in front of the passenger for some reason. Is that weird? Isn't that weird? To me, that's weird. That's unnecessary. Wait, so, so, so describe it to me. It's essentially an infotainment screen. And again, it has like the same layout. So if you press like the apps button on that screen and you press the apps button on the central screen, they look identical. And what about the screen that's in front of you? Can you also like get, can you get three screens going that are okay. that are showing you the exact same thing? So the digital gauge cluster I actually really, really like. It, it is um, it, it's actually pretty minimalist in terms of design. It's like really um, there's just it's like how do you describe it? it? It somehow gives you a really good feed of information despite looking like just a bunch of lines and like like totally wireframe. Like it doesn't look flashy, um, really focused, minimalist. I really like that. I appreciate appreciate that. However, my issue is that controls, certain important physical controls like the gear selector and the on-off button as well as things like changing um, the suspension settings are – um, around the, the, the sort of pod, the, the gauge cluster pod, and where you're holding your steering wheel, you cannot see those items. Like, so, you, won't, you have to move your head to see those, those so items. It kind of feels like they added something that you didn't need, a.k.a. the screen on the far right, and kind of ignored the important parts of the driver experience in any vehicle. Every time I get in or out of this car, I forget that there is a power button hidden behind the steering wheel that I have to reach. Um, which is weird. And every time I get in, I have to remember that the the gear selector is again uh, behind the steering wheel on the on the dashboard behind the steering wheel. Weird. It's it's definitely weird. And you know what? I mentioned this in past podcast episodes. I the thing I like the least about these screens, like when the whole dashboard is a screen, is it looks terrible when it's off. And and, and by terrible, I mean it's featureless. You you have yeah. the opportunity to create something of. Uh, I, I, you know what? I'll say it. Something beautiful. Within the limits of, you know, safety and utility and practicality and all that, using uh, materials that um, reflect whatever your brand identity is. Right. When you have a black piece of plastic, it's exactly the same as everyone else's black piece of plastic. And I did like how we talked about the Escalade uh, last mm. week or the week before. And I liked how Cadillac, they, they divided their large screen into three separate plate pieces using yep. chrome and metal and all that stuff to kind of avoid that. I mean, it's still a big hunk of plastic. But from what I've seen in the, in, in the Porsche and Mercedes-Benz with its M-Bucks um, or UX or whatever they're calling it, the new large full sweep screen, it's just – it's featureless. Okay. So I was thinking about this. Um, what could they have done? They can do so much here. I know this sounds kind of tacky, but, like, imagine there was the audio visualization um, features that we used to have on, like, Winamp and Windows Media Player. So you're saying you want, like, a, like an EQ or, like, a dancing yeah, like a heat I want some, like a Windows saver. Yeah, totally. I mean, how did the – sorry. The Soul, like, the first or second generation Soul had this in the speakers, right? Like, based on the music you were listening to, the speakers' LEDs would change colors. And I think other cars do this as well. But, like, if you had, let's say, an OLED screen where only, like, they're very deep blacks, only the specific pixels necessary um, are, 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 are lit up, that could look really in, enticing on a, uh, like, true, like you said, beautiful on a dashboard. That'd be really cool. So you're saying, and, you know, like, like, I mean, I'm talking about when the car is off, right? So are you saying that, like, if the car is parked on the street and someone walks beside it, the screen will wake up? Yeah, it'll wake oh. up and do, like, it's a tracked mode, like you're at an arcade. <laughs> like, yeah, that'd be sick. 
Um, no, I, I think even maybe when they're says, on, it maybe looks, he just says steal me. <laughs> yes, and it's important that you brought this um, this Mercedes thing up because uh, this was just recently announced. It was called it was called I love the name of this hyperscreen display. It's fifty six inches, which Hi- as far as I'm if I'm concerned, that's just a that's a home theater system. Hyperscreen right? display. Yes. Wow. Um, and as you said, it goes from the driver's side, um, basically vent, all the way to the passenger side vent. That's how big this screen is. A da- it's an entire dashboard of screen, touch screen, as far as I understand. No, thank you. <laughs> I don't need that. And I don't need my passenger. Like, no disrespect to my passengers, but there's nothing that they can't do on the center screen that they need to do on a screen that's immediately in front of them. Don't you? Uh, you're right. Actually, I was gonna say that they just want to look at something other than the world passing them by while you're driving. Oh, they can't though because I can still see that part of the dashboard. So that would be incredibly distracting to me as a driver. It's not like they can watch a movie or something over there, <laughs> you know, or play like chess with a friend at home or words with friends. Or I don't know what they would do. Like I don't know how connected my suddenly screen filled car is. Do I get a screen on the inside of the gas cap too? Because that's really where I need a screen. <laughs> Because that's yeah. when I get bored. I put the st- I put the gas cap there. No, no, no. That's that's twentieth century thinking, man. You gotta. Oh right. There's now there's now capless fill. Yeah. Fuel. I actually, you know what I want? I want a screen. I want a gas cap that's just all screen. And when yeah. I don't even have to open it, I just when metal approaches it, it it folds open like the Terminator in Terminator Two, like T one thousand. I put the I put the 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 thing in the the thing in. I put in the fuel pump. And uh, the nozzle, and it, it it grabs the nozzle from me, and then like a tendril comes out, and it holds up the uh, the filler because it where I live they don't have the automatic filler thing that like lets you set it, and then it just does it for me until it's time, and then I just do whatever I want at the gas station, which I've always dreamed of. So I mean, we've been seeing screens in our keys, and we hated that. <laughs> we've seen screens um, now all the way to the passenger side. We don't seem to like that. Where do we like screens? I just told you. Were you <laughs> not listening? I like it on the inside of the gas cap. I think as soon as they make that, you're going to be like, this is dumb. And then I want another screen where it's, yeah. you know, like your sunroof where it pops up like at an angle. I mm. want it to be on the outside. And when it mm. pops up, I can send messages to other vehicles. Oh, yeah, that's useful. Do you think it'll be high resolution enough to send that they'll be able to see it? I think they'll get the gist of what I'm saying. I don't think they need a lot of resolution for my message. Oh, okay. Um, I think we're done talking about the Taycan, right? You (laughs) tell me. There's nothing else I really have to say about this. Um, But I did mention some news, right? Like we were talking a little bit about the news. Yes. And I think it's important to bring up a brand new car that, that popped up. A brand new Grand Cherokee. Specifically, specifically a three-row version of it that they're calling the Grand Cherokee L. I suppose L is for large, which means the naming is really Wait a minute. Weird. Grand Cherokee L? That's the best they could do? What, so why, what makes it, it – this is a brand new Grand Cherokee, right? Yeah. And they're releasing the third-row version before the two-row version as far as I understand it. Correct. You've got that. And they've decided to call it L. Like that's L. as creative as it got. They were like, we can, you know, this is this is a brand new generation of vehicle. We can we can go anywhere with this. We already have the word grand in the name. 
So let's just add a letter that every other car company has added to their cars since the history of time. There was like an Expedition L and like XL and all sorts of – it's just a failure of the imagination, Sammy. I mean why not use something like Mega Cherokee? Like what, <laughs> Giga was that – Giga Cherokee. I mean we'll go with the Mercedes one. We'll, we'll – It'll be hyper Cherokee, right? Hyper? Why not? I mean, was that not on the menu? I mean, I, you know, there's other car companies if they were to extend their vehicle. I think Toyota would go with something like Ultra Highlander. Well, I or, heard that the Highlander is apparently the Highlander is going to be elongated, and they want to make the grand the grand Highlander. The grand Highlander. So now the grand Highlander sounds off. like the final boss I have to fight in a movie where I'm immortal. <laughs> um. So why did they go to Cherokee um, nomenclature and and Toyota just went Toyota just went to sorry Toyota went to Grand Cherokee nomenclature. Ah, the joke's been ruined. Oh no, I've done it. But hold on, what other what other long? How are they going to name all the other elongated um, I think, vehicles? I think we'll see a Super Traverse. Chevrolet yes. Super Traverse or Hyper Enclave, I like that one. Hyper Enclave, uh, Giga Pilot is a is a good good, good one for Honda. <laughs> Giga Pilot, are you kidding? I think the Giga Pilot, the Pilot. If it's one thing I love about Honda is that they have acronyms for everything. So I would imagine that the Pilot would have some sort of ridiculous acronym that stands for uh, Super. I mean, they have Super Handling All Wheel Drive, so this would be like Super Elongated. Um, Extension. No, Giga Pilot, G I G A, right? Like <laughs> yeah. giant integrated gargantuan autonomous, and then they'd have to add an asterisk, not truly autonomous, and then pilot. Yes. I love that. I I don't know. Like it, it so what do you want to talk about with this Grand Cherokee? First of all, I will admit it's a pretty attractive looking vehicle. Uh... But I was, I was confused when I when I heard about it because I thought the Grand Wagoneer is coming and that's a three row vehicle as well. It is confusing because they're two totally different Grand vehicles, right? And yes. um, there's not going to be a Mega Wagoneer, although there is going to be a Wagoneer. So there will just be a Grand. There, there'll be a, a Grand Wagoneer and a regular Wagoneer. Uh, mm-hmm. The differences between these vehicles, though, are pretty stark. I mean, this one's it's about a foot longer than the regular Grand Cherokee, or mm-hmm. what the regular Grand Cherokee will be, I guess. Would you think they'll call that Grand Cherokee R for regular? <laughs> yeah. It'll or M be. for medium? <laughs> it'll definitely be, be R. Uh, but uh, SRT-R. But the the vehicle itself has a unibody construction. What construct- the SRT version of that? SRT-R. SRT-L. LSRT. <laughs> SRGB. Now they're becoming Honda. So it's a unibody construction, just like the previous Grand Cherokee. Uh, the Grand Wagoneer, though, is body on frame, which is more like the Escalade and kind of targeting the the larger SUV crowd. Um, I think there'll be a lot more room in the third row of the Grand Wagoneer compared to these elongated Grand Cherokee. I, this is really shaping up to just be a version of the vehicle that if you have – you know, it, I, I think of it like the Grandparents Edition. Like, if you're a grandparent and you occasionally have to transport young children a lot, like, let's say that your 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 sons or daughters and their partners come to visit, you want to have a vehicle where everyone can go out to dinner together with. And I feel like this is that kind of thing. Like the RXL or whatever it is. Is that another, <laughs> another L version car <laughs> yeah, from Lexus? It's the same thing. It's like, it's really not good as a third row vehicle, but it's fine that in a pinch. awful as a third row vehicle. Yeah. It's, it's, like, like legitimately not useful in, in my opinion. 
Yeah, the, the BMW X5 uh, had that similar kind of terrible third row seat for a long time. And it's just, it's it's suitable only for kids. So that's what I think this is going to be. I don't think it's going to compete against the Grand Wagoneer. I think they're two very different classes of vehicle. But I am happy to see that it's been 10 years since we had an all-new version of the Grand Cherokee. And it's finally here. And everything is new except the stuff that isn't new, which is all of its engines. <laughs> right? <laughs> So that means that the base engine of the Grand Cherokee L, which fortunately the trim levels I don't believe are like just letters or whatever, um, th- this will be the uh, two point sorry the three point six liter V six that makes two hundred ninety horsepower, and then every other engine um, every other model will be equipped with the five point seven liter Hemi V eight. So. Uh... It's a little shocking to me that we're not seeing a turbo four in here or some type of hybrid. I know that Wagoneer is going to have a plug-in option. Maybe I think they did going to be a hybrid eventually, but I don't know when that's going to be. And maybe they didn't want to steal the thunder from the the Grand Wagoneer at its launch. But I, I like the 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 five point seven liter V six. Uh, sorry, V eight. It's a good engine. Okay, but the three point six liter V six is totally fine. It, but yeah, but that's the thing. Both of these engines are fine. There's nothing. There's nothing moves the needle here. You have an all new platform and older engines. It's kind of what I like to call the opposite Nissan. You know, like <laughs> so. I'm not. I'm not sure why we didn't get some. I mean, I know financially why we didn't get something new, and I'll be happy with the 5.7. Uh, I think you can get a much more powerful version of that 5.7 in the Ram. Is it something like 390 horsepower or something like that? Yeah, usually the pickup trucks get a lot more. Um, power, right? Different like, power band, too, I'm sure. Yeah. But, uh, you know, it'll be fine to drive. It's just, we, we, we got a ha- we got an update of the WK platform. I think that's what it, this is on, uh, mm-hmm. what, it, what the previous generation was on in, like, 2014 or 13 or something like that. And um, I was just hoping to see, like, I don't know, maybe something a little more aggressively new from a drivetrain perspective. Like, maybe one new engine I would have been excited about. That blows my mind. I thought the 3.6 liter is pretty good, and I think in terms of fuel economy, it's pretty compare. Like especially in the in in like, I think about the the four liter turbocharged engine that's in the Wrangler. I think the fuel economy in that is significantly better than the than the 3.6 liter V6. Is it significant? Sorry, I, I don't think it's significantly better than than the V6. That was what I was saying. I just think it's it has more torque and it's better to drive. That's that's just my opinion. <clears throat> and I also think that the V6 will in this will have probably a, a a larger like torque band or power band that will allow it to be more useful in towing. And again, this is the base motor of the car, not the not uh, not the. There's still a Hemi V V7 uh, 5.7 liter. Now, uh, the other thing about the Grand Cherokee that's going to separate it from the Wagoneer is off-roading. Um, oh, yeah. when, when the Wagoneer came out, no one really talked about off-road capabilities, right? It, it's it's going to have a four-wheel drive system, but that was pretty much it from what I remember. But the Grand Cherokee gets a whole bunch of stuff. You can get um, an air suspension that gives you 10.2 inches of ground clearance. Uh, you can it, it can ford 24 inches of water. It's got pretty decent breakover angles and all that stuff. Um for any other crossover that offers three rows in a segment, I don't think there's anything close to that. Hmm. that I mean, is, is that important? I don't know. <laughs> that, that is an, those are those are two really important things to bring up. Okay, um, is it important to go off roading in a three row vehicle? Like, is that a like legitimate rock crawling? I mean, you know, you could do it in the AT4 version of the Yukon. Can you? 
Yeah, it's it's got an off road package. Is this an is this a Yukon competitor? No, it's not. But no. I'm just saying there are three road vehicles that allow you to do, that allow you to do that. That's wild. Mostly uh, in the luxury segment, but yes. I'm not sold that the. I mean, I think most people buy a, a Jeep for the the credibility, but not the actual capability. Does that make sense? Uh, yeah, probably. Yeah. I mean, I don't. You know, Grand Cherokee. The number of Grand Cherokee owners who go off road is probably very small. It's kind of like a pickup truck. Not not everyone does stuff with pickup does pickup truck stuff with pickup trucks. Sometimes they just use them like regular cars, right? Yeah. I mean, this is a commuter vehicle. That's what it's for. It's for everyday driving, which is fine. And if you want to go off road, you can do that too. It's not necessary. It's a big part of the brand identity, so that's why it's in there. So some of the photos that Jeep has sent us of the new um, Grand Cherokee L, I have to admit the interior is really swanky um i see a couple of old switch gear like the i don't know like the light switches or something um and the steering wheel buttons seem more or less the same but there are sorry to t- sorry to do this to you ben but there's pretty big screen touch screens um found on the dashboard are they all showing uh, a uh, are they all showing a flickering flaming fire like they did with the grand wagoneer no they're not ah. but there's this really nice pleated pattern on the um on the seats and the the trim level, uh, sorry, the the ac- trim and the accents in the de- in the interior are fantastic looking. It really is. It looks high end. And this is now reminding me of what Ram did with the fifteen hundred when they started really paying attention to the interior of their vehicles, and everyone got like sold by that, right? Yeah. And I can see them now bringing that same level of attention or detail to another class of vehicle and a whole other brand. With For their, sure. Their but chair. they're going to have to dial it back just a little bit because Ram has nothing to protect, but they're going to have to protect the Grand Wagoneer. Okay, so right. The Grand Cherokee is now no longer going to be the nicest Jeep. That's that's the bottom line. I'm concerned about that. I, I had this conversation with you before because the Grand Wagoneer, it blows my mind that they want to compete in the segment that I think they want to compete in. I think we, you and I both alluded to the fact that this might be a pretty expensive um three-row vehicle, something targeting like uh, Lincoln Navigator or Escalade class. Yeah, definitely. That's where the money is, right? So why not go for that? A lot of money. Um, And I'm not sure people will be all set on spending that much money on a Jeep. People spend 60 grand on a Rubicon, (laughs) you know, a a Wrangler Rubicon, which is not a pleasant vehicle to drive on a daily basis. But people love it. So if you give them the chance to spend more, still have a Jeep – and be comfortable, I think they might take it. But, like, at least with a Rubicon, you're... I called it a Rubicon. Rubicon, Tycon, Taycan. <laughs> I'm nuts, man. I, I'm not on my game. Um, at least with the Rubicon, you have the credibility of it being trail-rated and, and rock-rated or however you want to describe Rock-rated. That would yeah, be awesome. Dwayne, and for, and you push the rock-rated yeah. button, and these speakers come up, except they're not speakers. They're two miniature robots, and they shred on, like, little miniature robot guitars. And then a voice screams, I was concerned. I was going more towards the Dwayne Johnson aspect. Oh, of no, the they rock. can't afford that. <laughs> <laughs> um, those are, are pretty tough vehicles. I'm not sure we're getting that same capability with a Grand Wagoneer. As you mentioned, it, there hasn't been a lot of discussion about its off-road capability. And an, an, a Jeep that doesn't off-road is a Jeep that doesn't Jeep. Like it. Wow, it look at you, Mr. Judgmental. It, did they not do this already with the – what was it called? Commander? Gladiator? No, Commander? Commander was just a... It, it, it could Jeep. It was a Grand Cherokee underneath. It was a stretched Grand Cherokee. It, it was a Grand was Cherokee L before right? that happened. Was that pretty... It was, yeah. 
Nobody How wanted it. How successful was that? It was not successful because it was very small inside. Also, just shout out to a friend of the show, Bradley Iger, uh, uh, automotive journalist extraordinaire, who had a brief period. I say brief, but it was probably like six months where he was obsessively shopping for commanders uh, to replace uh, an explorer that that had suffered a terrible accident. And um, I tried to talk him out of it because... You know, they, they, they weren't great, but he was so into it. And he eventually ended up buying another Explorer, which I think was best best for everyone. But, yeah, uh, that's my – you know, the Commander was a weird choice because they didn't make it big enough inside to take advantage of the third row. And there was no two-row version, so it wasn't like you could get the good Commander. You could only get the one Commander. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm not sure. I think if if they're doing this with the, with the Grand Wagoneer, and there's also going to be a – non-grand wagoneer a wagoneer if you will and that's not going to be the grand cherokee l there's a lot of there's a lot going on in the in the upper end of the grand cherokee lineup Uh, i'm sorry of the jeep lineup right well that's where they want to be that's where the money is like i said you know that's their this is one of the few brands at fca that makes money and they want to maximize that it sounds like they're going to be stepping on each other's toes eventually um i'm i i personally think having the grand wagoneer as a flagship Family vehicle is a good idea. They should have that. And then when people walk in and say, you want how much for that? They're going to go to the Grand Cherokee L. Um, now, I have a question for you. You just sent me a graphic um, that looks like it's the screen of the Grand Cherokee L showing an internal video feed of, of the, the third rear, row. The third row and the second row. Now, when would I ever need this? And it's a, it's, it's a, on the touch screen and it says select a seat to change zoom view. So I can zoom in on one of these seats? And in that photo, there's like a ghost in the photo. What is that? Ghost dog. Ghost dog. Oh, it is a dog. Oh, it's so weird. What is it in? What is this suitcase it's in? This is not a a, a dog carrier, is it? For those of you who are puzzled by the (laughs) fact that we're, you know, this is not a visual medium, we're going to put this photo as the uh, banner photo for this week's episode. (laughs) So if you're looking at that and you see a weird ghost dog, you're like, what is that? Now you know why that's there. It's uh, so I believe that's um, that was first demonstrated with the um, Pacifica, not the ghost talk, but the ability to see what's going on behind the driver without the driver turning around, but instead getting distracted by the infotainment. Yeah, screen. this is this is ter- this is not a good idea. <laughs> I don't uh, I don't want to see what's going on back there like this. Yet another week where Ben and Sammy talk about how much they don't like new features in cars. This is good. <laughs> I'm sure that the listeners are getting uh, used to this by now. But uh, maybe you have 2.5 seconds of overboost to send um, us to, to, to type into a, a word processor or an email word client. Word processor? <laughs> Wow, now we do sound like crotchety old men complaining about new cars, reveling in the days when word processors existed. It's weird to me. It's like, you know, that's a you would never really hear that technology talked about today. Like the idea back then was you would process words. Like you're not writing. You have words inside of you and you need to process them into this document, I guess. It's really strange to me that that, that so, term. So like actually let's talk about that for a moment. Actually, let's not. Um, if you do want to reach out to us, it's really easy to do so. You can just go to our website, unnamedautomotivepodcast.com, and once you're there, there's a contact form. You fill that out. It lands in our inbox, and we – I think we respond to every single person who sends an email to us. We try least, so hard, yes. Or at least we give them a shout-out on the podcast. It's, pre- it's, it's good. 
Um, additionally, you can reach out to us on social media. Both Ben and I are available on Twitter and Instagram. You'll more likely find Ben on Instagram where everything is rosy and filtered and beautiful. He's at Hunting Benjamin. And you can find me on Twitter where things are honestly – Things are tense. Fire. Things are tense, Sammy. <laughs> yeah, things aren't great. But I'm friendly on Twitter. I promise. You can find me at Sammy underscore ha like you're laughing. And if uh, you if you wanted to uh, subscribe to our podcast, you can also do that at unnamedautomotivepodcast.com. There's all sorts of buttons that take you to your favorite podcatcher. We're on a whole bunch of stuff like Spotify, Amazon, Google Podcasts, Amazon – did I say Amazon? And Apple Podcasts. Uh, it's, it's all there. It's easy to subscribe. You can also find us on your favorite podcatcher just by searching for Unnamed Automotive Podcast. And that will give you all of our past episodes if you want to dive in deep and just hear our voices complain about lack, <laughs> complain about new features and new cars over and over. And it's why a, there aren't screens in a really obscure, unnecessary places. How obscure is the gas cap? It's something you use almost every week. Eh. Or if you're like me, <laughs> every couple of days because you make bad, <laughs> bad choices. But uh, um, yeah, Sammy, what are you going to be talking about next week? Is it going to be another electric car? No, it's not. I've got uh, a pair of compact cars. I'm going to do a comparison between the new Elantra and the Toyota Corolla. All right, and next week I will be talking about the redesigned Subaru Crosscheck, which I think we might have talked about uh, last year. But um, that's every podcast now, so we're going to be turning over a new leaf. Sounds good. I'll talk to you then. Bye, everyone. Bye-bye.